Well, good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Today, get this, it's the 76th day of 2021. We're 76 days into the first 100. Time has flown by, hasn't it? Well, we are over three quarters of the way through our 100 days and progressing through the initiative that God has set before us at the beginning of the year. Have you guys been blessed by that initiative? Look, here recently we've been talking about ancient paths, right? Ancient paths that include ancient wine, journeying to an ancient mountain that led us to an ancient door, and then even progressing to ancient gates. So we're going to make this very straightforward, up front, push shot, in your face. So here we go. Tonight's sermon title is Possess the Ancient Gates. Turn with us to Psalm chapter 24. Come on, Psalm 24. We're going to pick it up in verse 7. We got something for you tonight. We got something that you're going to have to engage with to get the full benefit of, but we got something for you tonight. Psalm 24, somebody say ancient gates when you get to Psalm 24. It says this beginning in verse 7. Lift up your heads, you gates. Everybody lift up your head for a second. Got it. Come on, what a different posture. What a different attitude once you start lifting up your head. The psalmist here is saying lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Man, aren't we glad that we learned that that ancient door, the singularity of what God has, is there before us. Well, why are you doing this? That the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. If you hadn't guessed it, if you hadn't caught it, if you hadn't been paying attention, we got a warrior king that's leading us tonight. Amen. He is getting our attention. He is calling out to us the war drums that are beating in the distance. See, they're getting closer. It's getting louder in my ears. The cadence that once started that was faint is now getting louder and louder in our midst as God is calling us to the battle that he is engaging in, that he is warring with, the enemies that he will put down and he will use your feet to do it. This is the God that we serve, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, you ancient gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? Even while they're calling for him, even while the psalmist is saying, come on, I know how to get, he is on his way. Let's lift up our heads. The thought of who he really is is still perplexing the psalmist. He's he's meditating on it. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, Yahweh Sabaot, the commander of the armies of heaven. He is the king of glory. Now, on Sunday, we talked to you about the ancient door. Tonight, we're going to talk to you about ancient gates. We're going to have a good time tonight. You know how I know it's going to be a good time? Because we don't have a ton of notes before us. <laughs> you know, we decided, we were like, let's put this scripture, and then let's put the next scripture. Because we've got a warrior king, and he's calling to us tonight, and we're just listening to our king. We're going to talk about the ancient gates. The ancient gates were places where power occurred. They were the seat of power for a city. 
They were the seat of governance for a city. It was the seat of judgment. If you were going to ask a judge for a decision, you didn't go into a courtroom and have a judge sitting behind a fancy desk with fancy, interesting robes on. What you had was a judge who was standing or seated at the city gate. If you had a, a, a discrepancy, if you had a rebuttal that needed, you would go to the city gate. That's where the decisions were made. That's where the judgment was given. That's where governance occurred was at the city gate. It was the embodiment of everything that that city is, that everything that city has, yeah. and everything that city does. Yeah. The gates are the embodiment of everything about that particular city. Let me, let me tell you a few examples. We're just going to sprinkle these out to you, and you as incredible Bible students, you can go and verify these as much as you would like. In Exodus 32, when Moses came down from the mountain and he said, hey, he was watching the Israelites and they were making a laughing stock by worshiping a golden calf. He stood, and the, the, the phrase in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the NIV in Exodus 32 is it said that he stood at the entrance of the camp. The word for entrance there is he stood at the gates of the camp. And said, anyone who is for the Lord, come to me now. And all of the Levites rallied to him. They rallied to Moses Amen. at the gates. Somebody say, at the gates. At the gates. At, at those ancient gates. In Deuteronomy, you can see in Deuteronomy 16, in Deuteronomy 17, in Deuteronomy 21, in Deuteronomy 25, you can see that judgment is taking place at the city gates. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 16, the Lord says, you shall appoint judges and officials for every town for each of your tribes in every town that I give you. The word for town there is the word gates. When you study behind it, you can look at it. We're not trying to do a word study tonight, but you can look and see that you're supposed to appoint a judge and an official for every gate. For every gate that I give you, for every city that is given there, you need an official. You need someone to make a judgment call. As a matter of fact, you can remember those uh, extreme examples in Deuteronomy, like if you have a child that is completely rebellious, the parents are supposed to take them to the city gate, have judgment passed, and there the parents were the first ones to have their hands on stoning their own child if they couldn't get uh, obedience and respect in their child. <laughs> it happened at the city gates. You know what else? When you think about gates, think about Samson. I had to throw this one out there. Samson in Judges 16, what did he do? He went up and got up in the middle of the night and took the city gates, took the actual framework that was there. He pulled them right out of the earth and walked around with them. See, it was more than just a strongman feat. It was more than just world's strongest man and can you carry two refrigerators by yourself? What he did was he took the very sign of their power, the very sign of everything that they were, everything that they had, everything that they were going to be, he took that and marched it right up a hill that was facing Hebron and he put it there. Yeah. See, it's more than just a, fit, a, a, a feat of strength. He was going after what defined them and said, I got this all by myself. I'm going to conquer this. Think about maybe a nicer example for you. A beautiful example. When Boaz was acting as a kinsman redeemer, you know where he went in Ruth chapter 4? He went right to the city gate and he sat down waiting for the kinsman redeemer that was even closer than him. That is the very place that this happened. 
but we want to show you something as you're going to lift up your gates. Somebody say, lift up the gates. Lift up the gates. See, as you're going in to lift up the gates, why are you doing this? Because our God is a warrior. The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. When God is saying for you to lift up the ancient gates, for you to lift up the ancient doors, it's because he's got a battle. There's no misinterpretation that you can have about this. He's ready to pick a fight. Come on now. I I know Gabe's with me. I know I can always get a Stevens to pick a fight with me. I mean, not with me. I don't want him to pick a fight with me. I mean, like, with me. (laughs) It is time for us, church, in an overwhelming fashion. I heard us. I felt us during worship. I was sitting here, and I was listening to what the Spirit was saying. I was listening to what was going on in the room. Man, I know. I know that we are encouraged by songs that said, I've made up my mind. You're all that I want. We're pressing on. And you know what I can tell you tonight? That the very thing that's keeping you from pressing on the way that you want to is a warlike mentality. You are going to possess the gates of your enemy in this house tonight. Somebody say, I will possess the gates of my enemies tonight. Let's turn to Micah chapter 2 and see how this begins to make manifest in this place in this time. Say, possess the ancient gates when you get there. Micah 2.13, the one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass before them, the Lord at their head. Look, pastor just got through sharing some fantastic examples of how men of God act in possessing the ancient gates. Can you imagine in your mind what that looked like when Samson ripped off the gates of Gaza? Carry them up to a hill. You know what he was saying to the powers in the heavenly realms? Your false, rebellious, stubborn, and obstinate symbol of judgment, I am judging. God is using me to possess your very inaccurate, unbiblical judgment, and I'm going to bring it to a hill that faces judgment. When we're looking at Micah here, it declares that there is the one, the one who breaks open the way, and he will go up before them. Man, isn't it good that we have a king, like declared in Psalm 24, who goes before us into those gates, who leads the charge in this battle, in this war? In fact, oh, Lord is a warrior, and that is his name. That is his reputation, his character, his body of work. Why are you guys so intense at LCM? Because we are reflecting the very image of our father. Our father is intense. Our father is a warrior, and that is his name. As he goes up before us, do you know the shift? Do you see the shift in pronouns in this verse? They will break through the gate and go out. He leads the way. We follow him, and we gain victory through him. What obstacle, what gate do you have in your way that cannot be open, broken, and shattered by your king? There is none. And as we follow him, we gain the victory that he has. But watch this. Their king will pass before them, the Lord at their head. Another way to say this is the Lord at their rush. That Hebrew letter for primary. 
the symbol in the paleo fashion of a man's head. It is what's going on before their very mind. Because that's where the battle is a lot of times. See, the Lord at their head, he is breaking open the way for us to get out of our self-sufficiency. To get out of our self-governance. Everything that we are determining, but Lord, this is priority. This is what must come first. This is the thing that must be at the top of my mind. What must go before my head. And he's saying, no, 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 no. No, I'm going to tear down that gate of self-sufficiency. I'm going to break open the way for you to follow me. I'm going to direct the priorities of what you are to do. And therefore, together, we'll possess the ancient gates. As we let him rightly set our priorities, we allow for his power to fill us Break through these ancient gates and possess the very uh, element of them. Come on now. We could stop. It's 12 minutes and 45 seconds into this thing. What Pastor Matt just gave you was, oh, we're not going to. But we could. If you catch what he just said, the fact that we have a God who's gone before us, it's not like he's even just standing there and pointing and telling you where to go. He has actually gone before you. He's actually already kicked open the gate and is saying, come on with me. Yeah. But, but, but it's a gate. Yeah, I've already kicked it open. Just walk with me. Trust me. But it doesn't look like it's going to open. Yeah, but I've already gone before you so that you will break through the gate and go out into what I have for you. Amen. Come on now. This is a good word for us tonight. Amen. Look, let's all turn to Genesis chapter 22 and see that this is an ancient gate that we're going to get a hold of tonight. Genesis 22 and look at verse 15. Somebody say, possess the ancient gate when you get there. I'm going to look at this from the ESV. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to get the extra special version right here. ESV. <laughs> Genesis 22 and verse 15. It says this. And the angel of the Lord called to Abram, Abraham a second time from heaven. That, that's already pretty special. Since you guys are, are, are Bible students, you know that Genesis 22 is where he offers and prepares to offer his son Isaac. The first time that an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven was to say, stop, don't hurt Isaac. Do not hurt your son. Now I have seen that you love me. Your commitment has been proven by your actions. The angel said, stop, do not harm him. Yeah. This is the angel of the Lord calling to Abraham a second time. Moments later, and he said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. Because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son. Let me just stop right here. What happens to a believer who withholds nothing from the Lord? But I've already given so much. Yes, but what have you withheld from the Lord? Abraham is here, and the reason that God is speaking to him, the reason that God is about to reiterate a promise and show a different part of the promise of God to Abraham and his descendants is because this man withheld nothing from God. How important is it for us, church? The difficulties that you are in now, the struggle that you have internally. Let's talk about your struggle for just a second. I can assure you, you are struggling in places where you are trying to withhold something for God that he is asking from you. The difficulties of saying, I'm not sure that I can trust you in this. Yes, Lord, I trust you over here. Yes, Lord, I trust you over here. But I am having trouble 
I am withholding my trust from you here in this area. And the Lord is saying, yes, that's exactly what I want from you. The reason that some of us are having trouble hearing the, the sound of the war drums is because our withholding is causing our fingers to be in our ears and we're missing out on the drums of war that God is making a sound with. It goes on to say this, I will surely bless you. For the person who does not withhold anything, even the promised Amen. son, even the miraculous thing that has happened in their life as part of the blessing of God himself, even that thing, Abraham is not withholding. And for those, listen to what the angel of the Lord, speaking on behalf of the Lord, says, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Don't you love that? Don't you love the fact that you now have a perspective of this because of a celestial powers teaching that you know he's not just saying numerous like the stars in the heavens? I'm going to give you offspring that I will multiply that will be of the very nature of the heavens and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Listen to the next phrase. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. The promise about having star power at work in your descendants, making them as numerous as the sand on the seashore, is not enough for a man who decides he will not withhold anything from the Lord. From that kind of a man, God says, I will allow your offspring to possess the gates of your enemies. How much better, how much stronger can you be as a parent to know that you can raise godly children and godly offspring and godly spiritual children that will take and possess the gates of their enemy? Yeah. They will possess everything that the enemy has, everything that the enemy is, and everything that he's trying to do. You get to possess it, and your line gets to possess it. My God, what kind of church are we? One that won't withhold anything from the Lord. And this is the kind of expectation. This was first given to Abraham. This was first given to his family that would come. This would be first given to the nation that comes from him. But those of us who have the same faith as this man get to join in. But maybe you missed something in how excited I just got. <laughs> maybe you missed that I didn't actually read it correctly. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. It's amazing how we often think, and we're talking about our own enemies. The enemies that we must fight. Yeah, you're going to get some victory over your enemies tonight. I'm telling you. But do you understand the larger context that's here? You and I are designed to go on the warpath with him that we might finish off his enemies. That is a very different kind of mentality. That means that we have to get rid of the ungratefulness in us. That we have to get rid of those things that we're withholding. Amen. That we have to do that. Why? Because that's not even his enemies yet. Those are just our enemies. See, we are called tonight to do more than just fight internally. We are called to more than just fighting with our spouse with a general unhappiness about our entire life. We are called to more. You are called to be a warrior like your warrior king, and you should be concerned about his enemies. Amen. It's time for us to rise up, Amen. church. 
It's time for us to conquer our enemies because we got to be after the business of conquering his, both in the natural and in the supernatural realm, getting after the arconic forces that are fighting against us. Your offspring shall possess, conquer, be victorious over the gates of his enemies. Amen. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's time for us to possess the ancient gates, and you need to do it tonight. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Are you hearing what your pastors are bringing forth before you tonight? This is going to change your life, and it's time right now to do it. Look how verse 18 ends. Because you have obeyed my voice. Man, when the voice of the Lord begins to call out to you, to speak to you, instruct you, tell you exactly what you need to do, having the exact same response as Abraham did, we'll guarantee that you have the exact same blessings that Abraham did. A man who is relinquishing possession of his own life for the kingdom of God will possess the ancient gates, will possess the gates of God's enemies. And it will guarantee that the generations will possess the ancient gates as well. Because what happened there in Abraham was a blessing for Abraham. But do you see what it says in verse 17? I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring. I shall surely multiply your marriages. I shall surely perfect your parenting. For the sake of the generations, I am doing this. But it's because you obeyed my voice and responded by relinquishing all possession. Or another way to say that is relinquishing all ownership of your own life and what God has given you. How do you know? How can you tell whenever that is a conflicting issue inside of you? When God asks for it. Isaac was a promise fulfilled and in his hands. And it wasn't until Abram was at the top of Mount Moriah. And he had the knife raised and he was about to sacrifice. He was relinquishing all possession of what he had, even the very promises of God. And it was then that the angel said, now I know. Now I know that you are fit and ready through you and your generations. We can go possess the ancient gates. We can go possess the gates of our enemies. Well, this continues, this very promise of possessing the gate of his enemies. It continues in a blessing to Isaac and Jacob. It continues in the generations. Genesis 24, it shows us where Rebecca is receiving a blessing that her offspring may possess the ancient gates of their enemies. It is an inheritance passed down to the next generation. And it continues the promise you're given to Abraham. Well, it doesn't stop with just Rebecca. Uh, Isaac and Rebecca had a beautiful little boy. He was number two out the womb. His name was Jacob. In Genesis 28, Jacob is seeing the heavens open as the armies of heaven are descending and ascending. War is about to take place, and he is seeing the commander of the armies lead his army on. And he realizes that he is at the place of an ancient gate of heaven. That he sees the very visual fulfillment of what was spoken to Abraham, promised to his mother, Rebekah, and now is standing right there in front of him at Bethel. Well, what are our generations waiting for? 
They're waiting for us to rise up and be obedient to the voice of God to possess none of our lives so we can go and possess the ancient gates that God has promised for us and more importantly, for them to go conquer. Church, I ask you, are you going to obey the voice of the Lord? Are you going to do whatever it takes to relinquish possession of your own life? Will you raise up your generations to continue the inheritance of that same promise? Amen. Let's all turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, and we're going to start in verse 15. Somebody say, possess the ancient gates when you get there. Psalm 107 and verse 15 says this, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, his hesed, and his wonderful deeds for all of the sons of men, for all of the mankind. For he breaks down ancient gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Let me explain to you what Psalm 107 is just really quickly. It is a constant cycle in Psalm 107 of the difficulty in different areas. What happens if they get into difficulty on the oceans? What happens if there's difficulty in the desert? What happens if they have difficulty because of their own doing? And it talks about the difficulty, and then the people begin to lift their heads. They begin to cry out, and the God of all glory comes in and helps them. That's what Psalms 107 is in a constant reiteration, in a constant cycle, time after time throughout the chapter. Here, we are seeing them, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. I know that we started off the year talking about being storehouses of gratefulness. But of course, this church knows that that is not something that we have left in the distant past. That is something that we must be cultivating inside of our hearts every single day. How are you doing it? Cultivating a gratefulness where you're able to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Do you forget that it's an unfailing love because you look at your circumstances? Do you forget to give thanks because there's just a lack of gratefulness that you have? See, these are some of the enemies that you need to put down. You need to to demolish those kind of gates because that's what God does in verse 16. He breaks down the gates of bronze and he cuts through the bars of iron. He is able to shatter the ancient gates of judgment. Which kind of judgment, Pastor? Do you mean the judgment that should have come upon us for our sins? Yes, he conquered that. Do you mean the judgment that I keep offering and looking at my own circumstances and going to by what I see, by what I think, or what I feel? Yes, yes, he can also take care of that gate of judgment. He can also take care of any of the gates. He can cut through the bars of oppression, those iron bars. Those things that seem not just difficult, but impossible. Somebody say impossible. Impossible. I'm going to meddle here for a second. I'm going to meddle with you because I love you. There are people in this room that are, it's not something that you say out of your mouth, but if we just kind of ignore that for a second, what you really feel in your heart are the impossibilities of doing what God has called you to do the impossibilities of following your husband correctly, the impossibilities of leading your family correctly. There are some things that feel like they are impossibilities in your life, and I'm telling you, those are just the gates of the enemy. Those are just the enemy harassing you, 
You know what it's time for us to do in this place? It's time to crush those impossibilities. He's the one who breaks down gates of judgment. Your own judgment. Your judgment is not correct about this. He is calling. He has the cadence of his war drums going. And he's calling you and saying, you come fight with me because I've already gone there. I've already broken through. And I'm going to teach you how to do the same. It's time for us to crush the impossibilities. To let him cut through these bars of iron. Both external Somebody say, that's the easy part. That's the easy part. I honestly think that that's the easy part. (laughs) I think the victories that we need tonight in this house are those internal gates, those internal things that feel like they're impossibilities, those internal, not just ruts that you've got yourself into, but the thoughts of ungratefulness, feelings of being overwhelmed. Knowing that God is speaking to you and immediately feeling like you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. For some of you, you immediately slip into despair. These are the internal things that we have to conquer, and we've got to conquer it tonight. Amen. Is anybody here with me tonight? Oh, yeah. yeah. Are y'all listening to what's going on? God is going to set you free in your marriages. God is going to set you free in your own thoughts about progressing in the kingdom. This constant despair are the gates that you just have to kick down because the one who has gone before you has already gained the victory. He's teaching you tonight how you got to walk in the victory. Amen. Somebody say, possess the ancient gates. Possess the ancient gates. That's what you're going to do tonight. Turn with us to Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28, 5. In that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment. Before we move on, based on what we've covered so far, where do they sit in the seats of judgment? At the gates, the gates to the city. So he will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment at the gates. A source of strength to those, now read this carefully, who turn back the battle at the gate. These are not two separate things. These are conjoined items. He's telling them, I'm going to empower you because... You have walked before me rightly. I'm going to give you a spirit of mishpat. I'm going to give you a spirit of judgment, a spirit of discernment, because you're rightly sitting in the seat at the gate that I have established. You're walking in right shalom. I'm going to empower you to have right justice and right judgment. In addition to that, it says a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Let's look at how these things combine. Come on, when you're rightly operating in shalom and you're making discernments and judgments as God has given you those discernments and judgments, let me let you know something up front. You are not going to be well-liked. When you are acting on God's behalf and you are issuing out his decrees, his judgments, you will have people that are going to hate you. They will charge your gates. They will charge that seat of judgment. And God is saying, I'm going to be a source of strength to those 
who turn back the battle at that place of judgment. Now, let's break this down a little bit. That place of judgment. This is your realm of responsibility. The seat of judgment that God has ordained for you to have. You and you alone. It's what he's given you. Husbands, it's you and your families. Wives, it's you and the children that God has given you. Singles, it is your single way of life and the partnerships of other singles that you have established with. You have a realm of responsibility. There's not a person in this room who does not have a realm of responsibility. And when you are walking in right shalom, his spirit of justice will be upon you. His source of strength will be there for you who turn back the battle at the gate. Now, let's break that down. He's going to be a source of strength for those who take responsibility to engage the enemies at the entrance to their own thoughts and feelings and emotions. Whenever you are standing up and recognizing, wait a minute, this emotion that's trying to barge through the gates of the, of the justice and the judgment that I'm sitting in on. All of these thoughts that are warring against the position that God has seated me in. I'm going to wage war against that thought. I'm going to drive you out from the entrance to my heart. I'm going to drive you out from the entrance to my mind. You have no authority or place in me. God wants to empower you to overcome despair. God wants to empower you to overcome doubt and all this self-consciousness. He wants you to have an, uh, a perspective of victory that you can be exactly who he's made you to be. Amen. You know what? He's called you to be in this church. Let's just start from a global perspective. So therefore, he's going to empower you to be in this church. And not just exist, but to grow and to thrive as a disciple in this church. When you're sitting at the table of Acts or ministry training one and ministry training two and even discipleship training. Know that the God of all heavens has empowered you to sit in that very seat and be a disciple and a student of that class. That he's going to empower you to know and figure out what to do and how to progress and grow. We must have the attitude that we are going to turn back the battle at the gates of our own hearts. We're going to turn back the battle at the gates of our own homes. We're going to be watchful shepherds and making sure that nothing is going to enter in through that gate. We're going to possess the ancient gates and fulfill, be a continual fulfillment of what was promised to Abraham. I love the phrase to turn back the battle at the gate. That doesn't mean that you're turning back. That means that the battle that you are engaging in, you're being so victorious that the enemy has to turn back. See, it's time in this household for Leslie and Roma to stand up and be some gate-crashing people. Be some warrior-like people in this house. Don't make me start calling people. It's time. What do you mean? Like, generically speaking? I mean tonight. Yes. Ray and Lindsay Ludwigson, I'm looking at you, and I am feeling God's heart for you. And he's saying, I'm with you. I can crush through those gates of bronze. I can cut down those gates of Come iron. On. I can do it. I've Amen. already done it. I can feel the Lord calling to men and women in this room. 
I can look at Rick and Susan and know that God is saying, I have got this. You come with me. You're going to turn back the battle at the gate, not turn back yourself. You're going to turn back the battle as you continue to engage in this. I can feel it in this house, Mandy. I can feel it. God is doing something. This is, this is a simple thought. This is an easy concept. But it's because it's what God is feeling for us tonight that I know that he's speaking to hearts. I know that he's speaking to lives. Let's all turn to Acts chapter 12, and we're going to see an actual process to walk this out. Acts chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 5. Somebody say, possess the ancient gates when you get there. We are 36 minutes in. We have no intention of going any longer than exactly what we need to do tonight. I know that you're with us because I can feel it, but I also want to say whatever you need to do to rouse yourself to stay right here and connected with us, we're not wasting our time and we're not wasting yours tonight. I know that, I, that we have the word from the Lord. I know it. I know it because I can look at individuals in this room, and if I wanted to, I could stop and start talking to you about your gates that you need to possess tonight. I, I know it. We're in Acts chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 5. Are you all with me? Are you with Pastor Matt? Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. See, what had happened was that the Herod was going through, and he ended up killing James, the brother of John, at the sword. Under Herod's authority, he killed James, the brother of John, had him killed, and decided that went so well, the Jews liked that so much, that I thought I'd go ahead and throw Peter in prison. It was during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so as soon as the feast was going to be done, he had intended, Herod intended to put Peter on trial, and you know how that was going to go. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, I'm sorry, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. <laughs> What else are you going to do? He's not worried about it. He's ready to give his life. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. Because apparently one chain wasn't enough for Peter. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. So you've got a guard on either side. I can see Peter just snuggled up besides the, <laughs> these brute of men's two chains on him. Guys standing at guard at the door. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Listen to this. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. <laughs> hey. Ow. <laughs> he didn't whisper to him gently. Wake up. Quick, get up. I, I love the Lord. Even when he's saving you, he is a warrior. <laughs> Not a sissy. Get up. Okay, yes, sir. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Peter was under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. There were 16 men that were assigned to guard Peter. It says that in the few verses before what we read, 
There are 16 soldiers for this one guy. How dangerous is Peter? Peter's dangerous because he's about to tear down some gates, and they were afraid. They were like, let's put some extra men. Not one guy, not two guys, 16 men, trained warriors and soldiers, ready to kill him, and Peter's asleep. To an unarmed man. To an unarmed man. Actually, chained unarmed man. <laughs> what is it like when you become completely dangerous to the enemy? What if you started looking at the opposition that's been assigned to you and said, wow, instead of, man, this isn't fair, what if the enemy's having to assign four squads of four demonic op uh, oppressors to come at you? Wouldn't you start looking at that like, yeah, you need 16. <laughs> it's not going to be enough anyway. The chains fell off. You get this picture here, and when the angelic force steps in, you see in Peter, he says, get up. Slap your neighbor on the arm. Say, it's time to get up. Get up. Say, quick, it's time to get up. And what happens immediately when there's a recognition and a resolve to do what the angel of the Lord is telling him? The chains fell off immediately. The thing that was used to bind him was no longer even in the picture in a second. Oh, come on. Some of you should be crying out for the Lord to release you from your chains tonight. Those chains in your thinking, those chains in those areas in your life that you still haven't overcome, that you've even lost hope in. But it's time. I'm saying, quick, get up. It's time to get up in your soul. Come on, Chris Rayasora. You know what I'm talking about. It is time to get up, Lynette Makowick and Paul Makowick. It's time to get up. Quick! There's no time to waste because God has got something that he's going to do, but it requires that the chains be removed from your life immediately. See, we're not to the good part of the story yet. My job here this evening is just to set up the story for my friends. <laughs> All I'm doing is setting It's not even the good part but it is the good part. God is ready to get chains off of you tonight. Amen. Keep going in verse 8. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Well, a little bit of deductive reasoning will bring to the conclusion that Prior to the angel saying this, what did Peter not have on? Clothes. Clothes. Sandals. A cloak. So there he was in a prison cell bound with two chains, guarded by 16 soldiers with no clothes on. But did you notice in the previous verses that when the angel appeared, the light filled the cell? And then the angel struck him and told him to wake up? It's like trying to wake up one of our teenagers. And there Peter was in the prison cell with no clothes on. Let's begin to tie some of this to some practical relativity. You're imprisoned by repeated cycles of thought. Imprisoned by maybe the words and potential chains of others' expectations. I mean, worldly expectations. Trying to make you feel imprisoned. Even 
You don't feel like there's anything that's a worthy deed to go do, a righteous deed. None of that linen that you should be clothed with. There's no more readiness that comes from the gospel of peace to be put upon your feet. There's no cloak, no symbol of authority, anointing, or power like Elijah and Elisha. You're just kind of dwelling in despair. Well, I guess there's nothing good I can do anymore. Man, we need an angel to show up. We need a light, a revelation of God's word to be spoken to us, a good swift kick on the side and say, hey, stand up. Elevate your thinking. Realize who God has made you to be. Put your righteous deeds back on. Don't sit there in prison. Realize who the God is that that is enabling you to possess the ancient gates. Get a hold of that readiness that comes from the gospel of shalom. Put on that cloak, that authority, that anointing, that empowerment that's there. Don't lay down in self-despair. Get up. We got gates to go possess. And last thing that he told them, follow me. Boy, that sounds familiar. It's like a call to discipleship all over again. Put on those righteous deeds. Get that readiness on your feet. Walk in the authority that God has given you. Now we got somewhere to go. Follow me. I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to break open the way. I'm going to show you exactly what you need to go do. Put that in the bowl and eat it for breakfast every morning. That's exactly what you need. When you feel in despair, you need to turn to Acts 12, verse 8, and remind yourself of these very steps that God will do over and over again because he wants to ensure that you have what you need to go possess the ancient gates. Such a good word. Look at verse 9. Peter followed the angel out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing really was happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. I so love the word of God. He was like, man, this is fantastic. I must be in a dream. I must be in a vision. (laughs) They passed the first and second guards. Not just the guards that were in the cell with him. Not just the centurions that were standing guard at the door. They passed first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. Wow. They came to an ancient gate. It opened for them by itself. What happens when the one who goes before you is also walking with you? Come on. What happens when that happens and you get to a gate and you're like, I'm pretty sure I can't beat this. Why do we keep harping on that? Pastor, you've, you guys have said that. Yes, because it's reverberating in the room. We, I know. It, it, we've just kind of resolved that things are okay, but we're just not really going to be happy. There's just a kind of a general malaise and level of ungratefulness that we're just accepting. No. No. We're saying, quick, no. get up tonight. Yeah, man. That's a gate that when you walk with the Lord, he will cause it to open by itself. <laughs> he will go before you and win in this thing. It opened by, for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, Suddenly, the angel left. And then it settled in on Peter that this was more than a dream. (laughs) Hey, church, what I'm telling you is not a vision. Hey, church, what I'm telling you, not a dream. 
not asking you to close your eyes and imagine with me what it might be like in some hypothetical future for you. It is not a vision. It is reality of what I'm speaking to you tonight. Just because you can focus on the times that you have failed does not mean that what I am saying to you is false. It's not an apparition. It's not an illusion. It's not a vision, and it's not a dream. It's the reality of our warrior Amen. king, and he's calling to you tonight. I don't care how many times you failed. I don't care how many times today you failed. That's just another gate that you need the God of all creation to kick down on your behalf Amen. so that you can possess that gate. It no longer stays in this realm where it's bronze, I can't break through. It's iron, I can't seem to, to tear it down and cut through it. There is not a gate that our God cannot cut down for you, before you, and teach you how to put your hands on it and tear it to the Amen. ground. It's time for us tonight, Bonnie. It is time. When Isaiah 28 says that the spirit of justice and strength that pastor talks about so that you can turn back the battle at the gate Amen. and you not turn back. God, I can hear it. I can hear it in hearts, but I've tried, pastor. But I've tried and I can't do it. I'm telling you the one who can is before you Amen. and he's going with you tonight. Psalm 107 that teaches you to break down those gates of iron. He is here with us tonight. A Genesis 22 promise that says the descendants of Abraham that his seed will possess, they will own, they will dominate the gates of their enemy. And if you put your faith in the God of Abraham, then that is your promise as well. Not in place of Israel, but alongside of them. Because we have the one who breaks open the way, and he's going to teach you tonight how to break those gates down and go out before. Somebody say, possess, possess the ancient gates. Possess the ancient gates. Turn with us to Revelation 22. We're going to pick up in verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. What are we fighting for? What's the ultimate goal that we're looking to achieve by possessing the ancient gates? We're looking to enter in and receive a reward from our heavenly father, the alpha and omega, the one who stands outside of time. And that reward is to enter in through the gates to the city. Within that city, there is the right to eat from the tree of life. Where it was once barred in Genesis, it is now opened and have free access to this tree of life. But not just for us. It's for our generations. 
God wants you to go possess the ancient gates, not just for you, but for the generations. The children within your bloodline and the children within the bloodline of the king. I want to speak to all those who no longer have children in their home. You have a job to do in the kingdom. And your job is to possess the ancient gates for the generations that are right here in front of you. As you possess the ancient gates, you show them how to fight. You show them how to go to war. You show them how to turn the, back, the battle back from the gates. You show them how to win using scripture for every thought, every emotion, and guiding every action that you have. Because let me give you an inside secret. They're looking to you already. They're watching and studying your life. They are being impressed by your actions. And it's up to you. It's up to us to leave an ancient path that our generations can find, walk on, have confidence in. And that includes going to war with what God is at war with. And for the purpose of winning. That's the whole purpose of going to war. When we have rightly walked before God we can be certain that there's a reward. A reward of having the right to eat of this tree, for, tree of life and that there's a certainty that we are going to possess the ancient gate that's there at his city, his holy city, Jerusalem. For our final scripture of the evening, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at, begin in verse 11. Somebody say, possess the ancient gate when you get there. Hebrews 13, 11 says this. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. Somebody say outside. Outside. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. The animals that were sacrificed, their blood was brought into the most holy place to be applied as atonement for the people. But the bodies of those animals had to be taken care of outside the gate. And so Jesus also suffered outside the gate. He suffered on the cross. What he was able to do there allowed his blood to be brought into the most holy place, except he's the one that brought it in. He took it by his own volition. He offered it and then took it to the most holy of places and set his blood to make the people holy through his own blood. Lest you think that we've just gone more uh, theological on you for a second. Remember that we're talking about you possessing the gates, these ancient gates of the enemies tonight. He proved it. Why? Because he was able to go through the gate. He was able to go before you. He was able to make a way. And now he's come back with you to say, I know how to do this. And I can make you able to walk through this gate. I can make you where you can follow me through this. As a matter of fact, look at the next verse. And let us then go to him outside the camp. Go through the gate to where he is, bearing the disgrace that he bore. What an interesting thought. 
Pastor, I just don't quite know how I can make this work. I've tried and I've tried in this area. We're getting victory in these areas, but in this area, I don't seem to be able to conquer. Let us then go to him outside of those city gates and become bearing the disgrace that he bore. See, the way that you start to conquer this is exactly the same way that Christ did. It's exactly the same way that Abraham did it. He's saying, I entrust this to you. I will withhold nothing. I will not withhold anything that I have. I will not withhold anything that I am. I will not hold anything that I might be from you. I offer it to you. Jesus is doing the exact same thing. This is what it looks like for the king of glory to go before you to break open the way, to smash and crush the impossibilities of gates of bronze and to cut through the gates of iron. This is what it looks like for victory to be wrought. And this is how the victory is going to be won in your life. By joining him. By not withholding anything, not your son, not your only son, not your thoughts, not your desires, withholding nothing from him. Join him in that kind of disgrace that says, I have nothing if I don't have him. But when I do, I can possess the ancient gates of my enemies. I can win against the despair that washes over me. I can win against the discouragement that tries to crush me. I can win against the ungratefulness that swallows me. You can win tonight. Because the whole goal is that you win, so then you can turn and possess the gates of his enemies. Amen. What we're telling you about your victory tonight is even only an intermediate step to glorify him even more. That the king of glory may come in, this one who is mighty in battle. You, church, can turn back the battle at the gate tonight. Amen. Yeah. You've got to have a warrior's cry. Not one that's muffled by discouragement. Not one that's quieted by the, by the ungratefulness. You've got to have something that rises up within you. There's more. There's more. God is teaching us. He's strengthening us. He's helping us. There's more for you tonight. There are some of you who are running after the Lord with all that you know how. And there are some that are wearied even while you're running with the footman. I've got hope for you tonight. Amen. God has called you to possess the gates of your enemies. To possess the gate of his enemies. You can do this tonight, but it's going to require something inside of you to get slapped on the side by angelic forces. And it says, quick, quick, I got to do so. I got to get up. I've, I've allowed myself to settle back, to rock back, to be okay with things the way that they are while other people around me are talking about victorious things. It's time for us to rise up tonight and possess the ancient gates. Well, like the call that the angel had in the prison cell to Peter, he told the, Peter to stand up. So I'm going to ask you tonight, stand up. Not just physically, though. 
I need you to stand up with an attitude that you're at war. Stand up with an attitude that says, I am fighting for the generations. Stand up with a heart that says, I must crush the, the impossibilities. That my God is empowering me to be like him, the warrior king. That he is going to give me my, my constitution to put my clothes back on. He's going to give me that readiness that comes from the gospel of shalom. He's going to give me that cloak of anointing and power and authority in the heavenly realms. And he's going to give me the empowerment to follow him. Are you ready to follow the king? Let me refresh your memory of two verses that we covered tonight. It's going to set the course of what we're going to do right now. Micah 2.13 the one who breaks open the way will go up before them. Amen. Say, before us. before us. They. Everybody say, they. they. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass before them. The Lord at their head. We're going to let the king of glory go ahead of us because he ensures victory for us. And this is how we respond. Psalm 107.15. Let them give thanks to the Lord. How we're going to respond right now is that we're going to let thanksgiving and praise fill our mouths and fill the heavens. We're going to take confidence that our warrior king is with us. He has given us his righteousness. He has given us his shalom. He has given us his anointing and power. And there will be no gate, ancient gate, that we cannot possess. Are you ready to possess a church? Let praise rise up. Mighty King, we give you glory.